Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to No Sleep on the CWR Talk Network. We have a couple of really exciting announcements for you to start the show tonight. Afterwards, as we all know, yesterday was the 17-year anniversary of 9-11, and in honor of those whom we lost during those events, we're going to discuss it from a millennial perspective. So let's get to it. Tonight, Malcolm, Micah, and I are really excited to introduce two new co-hosts to the show, Megan Grubb and Clay Turner. So welcome to the show, guys. And why don't you go ahead and and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay. All right. So I'll go first. Uh, My name is Clay Turner. Um, I came from Leachville, Arkansas. That's where I grew up. It's in northeast Arkansas, close to Jonesboro. Um, And I went to Arkansas State and studied political science and Spanish before coming to Little Rock to go to the University of Arkansas Clinton School of Public Service. And so this year, I'm in my second year, and I'm glad to be with CWR Network. I'm We're Megan. really excited uh, to have you. Pleasure to have you, bro. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, I'm Megan. I'm from originally from Iowa, a town in Iowa near the capital of Des Moines, and um, I went to the University of Iowa and studied international studies and Spanish. And it took a couple of years of working uh, abroad and here in the U.S. before I also became a graduate student at the Clinton School of Public Service. But I am in my first year, and so far I've been loving Little Rock and Arkansas besides the humidity. But, yeah, so far it's been great. Mucho gusto. <laughs> awesome. We're so <laughs> glad that y'all are here. Word. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, so to start out, we also want to let our n- viewers know we have an exciting announcement. So the CWR Talk Network is proud to recognize Nike as our Corporate Citizen of the Month for September for selecting Colin Kaepernick as the face of their 30th anniversary Just Do It campaign. Uh, the great Indian activist for independence, Gandhi, once said, it's easy to stand in the crowd, but it takes courage to stand alone. Nike and Colin Kaepernick both exemplify those words of Mr. Gandhi. So congratulations to Nike and the CW Talk Network Corporate Citizen of the Month of September. So as we all know, the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks were yesterday, and although the focus of tonight's show is not necessarily on Nike or the NFL, the Just Do It campaign and the division that it seemed to have caused really kind of made me think about the following day um, of the attacks on September 12th. So exactly 17 years ago today, 
The pain of the U.S. was felt across the entire world. The French paper Le Mans front page headline read, Today we are all Americans. So one thing that really stands out to me when this happened is that the sense of unity was unreal, the way that we should always be united. It was not only Americans who were unified and in mourning, but this was felt on a completely global scale. People were Americans before they were Republicans or Democrats, conservatives or liberals, regardless of race or social class or personal beliefs. What mattered more to us at the time was what united us instead of divided us. We spoke about resiliency and the strength of our nation and comforted each other during the time of uncertainty. So in tonight's show, as we remember the horrific events of that day and our experiences as millennials growing up post 9-11, I can't think of a better sentiment for us to settle on in our thoughts today. So at the time, I want to go ahead and invite our co-host to join in on the conversation. So do you guys remember where you were at the time of the attacks? And I know during the time millennials were children or teenagers, so we were all really young. So did you guys yeah. really understand what was happening in our country or what was really going on? Um, no, I mean, I don't really – I don't think I knew what was going on at the time. I remember I was in first grade when it happened, um, and I was, so I was seven years old. And I remember there being a lot of activity, you know, among the teachers at my school, and they were whispering, you know. And so we kind of, as students, got a – you know, got a feeling that something was going on, but we we had no idea what it possibly could be, you know. And so um, I think my teachers were the ones who kind of talked to us about it um, when it was happening. And apparently when one of the planes hit one of the towers, that's when people really started talking, but they didn't really know what to make of it. They were like, we don't know if this is an accident or um, if this was intentional, you know, I don't think it was ever in our minds that this could possibly be terrorism, you know. Um, and then when the second plane hit, that's kind of when everyone started freaking out a little bit, you know. The teachers remained composed and everything, and the students, we really didn't know what to make of it, you know, and we didn't really know how to process it at that time. Did you? Is that how you felt, Megan? Yeah, I don't remember anything really going on besides the commotion of the school and teachers trying to gather students but I was in kindergarten at the time so yeah it was pretty pretty vague memory for me yeah hmm. now for me I was and in I'm, actually middle school when this whole thing took place so it was oh. it was classes and and I was in I was in the state of New York I wasn't in New York City but I know parents were pulling kids out of classes. Uh, some of the teachers, they just stopped the lessons for the day, and we were just watching the news, broadcasting. Some of us were oblivious that anything even happened. You know, we were just finding this information, you know, via whatever network uh, that teacher um, had on the television that day. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It was it was kind of the same oh. for me. I was like you, Malcolm. I was I was in middle school, and I remember I was in health class. I was in, you know, I think seventh grade. Um, and yeah, me I too. think that I I knew something bad had happened um, because I could feel the pain in the teachers and everyone around me, but I didn't quite grasp or understand 
what had really happened, and I think that they tried to kind of explain it, but when you're that young, you can't really wrap your head necessarily around it. You just know that something horrible happens, and there's no answers to to what happened. And I think, you know, being right. a child, you kind of have that, it kind of shatters your feeling of safety and security, and you're you're kind of lost, and you don't understand. So I think yeah. it's really interesting, because I we're think... all of the same generation, but we have different experiences due to our age. Yeah. I also yeah. think when you're that young, it doesn't, it doesn't sit with you as it would have if you were uh, a bit older as those teachers were, they had a, a different understanding than uh, we did as children, you know? And I believe since then, my understanding of what took place, uh, change from uh, those thoughts that I had as a child to, you know, now as an adult, how I view that situation um, that transpired on 9-11. Yeah. Yeah, I think, sure. I think one of the, I think one of the things I remembered more than anything, though, is that when we were sitting in class the next day, and my first grade teacher at the time, she wasn't really, you know, a religious person. And that next day, she gathered my entire class, and we um, we prayed, basically, that, you know, our country would be in a better state um, and that we would be able to, you know, cope with whatever had happened. And so, I mean, just that it was able to influence her to that point kind of speaks to how how powerful it was and, you know, how most people weren't able to really process it. They didn't know how to, you know, even the adults around us. What did y'all? So, what was the what was the story that you all came across or or were told that uh, took place uh, on this date? Do you remember? Oh no! Again, I don't. Too young to really understand. I don't even think I understood what the word terrorism meant. Yeah. So it was probably all and. This is sad that I didn't understand the entire event until later on of knowing that it was four attacks and because um, Clay and I were actually talking about how that the image of 9-11 is most a majority of the two towers and not as much focused on the Pentagon and right. Flight 93. Yeah. but. I didn't have a specific story that I was told when I was younger about what had happened. Now, the next year, I do remember uh, my second grade teacher showing us um, magazine articles of people who had actually flung themselves out out of the window um, in order to, you know, save. I don't know. I couldn't process it at that point because I was like, I don't understand why they're they're jumping out um, because I think that was, something that they could have lived through easier than because it would have been more instantaneous and they wouldn't have had to actually stay in the building and be burned, you know, burned alive. And it was, it was something I never allowed my mom to go to at that point. And, and I still remember those pictures that were shown to us in second grade. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. Can I ask you this then? Or something. What is, what exactly? Was it like Time Magazine or something had like the people falling out. Uh, and you know, kids they kind of look at. Yes. It. 
I don't even remember yeah. which magazine had show people falling out the window. That's 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 crazy to me. But <laughs> my yeah. thing, my, my question was my question was going to be, um, it's the this act was an act of terrorist uh, terror that um was pretty much broadcasted through different uh, media outlets and the and this the terror the terrorists behind this act were uh considered these these uh uh radical muslim muslim groups a group called yeah. al qaeda and pretty much yeah. the story that was told that these individuals learned how to fly these planes they found their way into the US and they took over the plane with the box cutters and they uh had already uh, predetermined targets that they wanted to hit, and that was executed on that day of September 11. This is the same story that you all are familiar with, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Now, my my question is then: Is it possible that that story was a fabrication? A fabrication. <laughs> yes. That that story was not even the correct story because through through some through some research, I also came up with I also came across that story, but then there was another story about uh, an individual who um, uh, worked within the demolition field, and he was there during the 9/11 uh, attack, uh, with as far as the twin towers go, not um, at the Pentagon site, but he was in New York, and there's a video up on YouTube where he is explaining. Uh, like demolition style uh, acts happen into the building to knock a building down, you know, where things were exploding uh, as in increments as this building was falling. And then he goes to explain, yeah. like, there's no way, there's no way that the engine fuel, because that's what they said, burned the metal in the buildings to drop the building, is that there's no way that that stuff could have got that hot in order to knock those buildings down. So my thing, my, my question was to y'all is that do y'all from that story that uh you all have an understanding of, is it possible that the news and the media could have been misleading to the public? Say yes, for sure. Because especially in a time of need and crisis that as a coming together moment that we might be susceptible to a controlled narrative, especially one that is putting kind of that, the other in place. And we look at it as, oh, those outsiders did this. So I I could see your point of having that narrative be controlled in a way that would be beneficial to the news media and outlets and towards the American public. It's funny you say. Yeah, it's funny you say used as a coming together. It's funny you say used as a coming together uh, uh, situation because I also came across that in the information uh, before before the nine eleven attack. There was a huge presidential election between Al Gore and George Bush, and oh yeah, the information was pretty much saying that the country uh, became split apart because of what happened during that election. You know, yeah. And, and in this situation, this situation was an opportunity to bring everybody back together as being American again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
definitely possible. After the attacks <laughs> happened and W. Bush acted, his approval ratings went out, you know, out of the – they went so high. Mm-hmm. So it – I it, mean – Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it, <laughs> I, I was going to say, if this is – if this is can, – can possibly be a fabricated story – why do we, why do y'all believe they chose this Muslim or this Islamic group uh, other than you know any other uh, to identify as terrorists rather than any other organization? I mean, they I possibly could have used it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I, I mean, think that sometimes um, when because I know what videos you're talking about, I've seen them too, and I think that there could be some truth to that and not just with 9-11, but other things, too. I think the media and, and the government and stuff have control over certain things, and we only know certain things. And as far as 9-11 goes, the only people who really know exactly what happened, not, happened are, unfortunately, they're not with the us people. anymore. Right. And, right. you know, yeah. we, we have no way of knowing. We only know what we're told. I, yeah. can't, agree with, I can't agree with that more. Or with that more. Were you going to say something, Clay? Well, he was just asking, like, why would they, why would they have, uh, why would they have targeted a specific group for this? And um, I mean, shortly after that, they invaded um, Afghanistan, and mm. um, you could have, you could make the argument that they had just made it seem that way so that the country could accept a, an invasion of Afghanistan mm. after the attack. Right. That's smart. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just up in the air, and it's something that could have possibly happened. I don't know if that's exactly what yeah. happened, but right. Any that's one of that's one of my theories. <laughs> right, I, I agree too, and I think Definitely that sometimes, um, sometimes with it too, um, at the time, you know, you can prey on ignorance. And I think that at yeah. that specific time, we weren't necessarily educated as far as, you know, the Muslim religion and, and the extremist yeah. groups and things like that. So they could kind of prey off of what we don't know and kind of instill this sense of fear among people. And it would be something easy that we would bite onto because, you know, possibly if it, if it did happen that way, it's something that we wouldn't know any better. Mm, yeah. So we we wouldn't really know the right question to ask. We just knew that we've been affected somehow, and it almost it almost was like uh, 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 somebody was looking for someone to place the blame on, and they chose. I believe it was strategic. I I don't think it was at random that they chose somebody who uh, could take the fault. And they pursue with just business, um, pursue with their plan, business accordingly. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a, a possibility. So I guess yeah. at this point, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. But I do want to let everyone know that we are opening our phone lines. So if you have any questions or comments, um, regarding anything that you might want to talk to us about or call in with your thoughts on 9-11, no matter what generation you're from, uh, please give us a call, uh, 917-889-8078. 
listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Listen and imagine. It takes five seconds to send a text, and for those five seconds, you're driving blind. Life is worth more than a text. Stay alive. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in .1 miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for important causes and issues like social justice. This is one of the main objectives of Donnell Edwards' viewpoint. Donnell discusses issues like the pervasive racism engulfing our country with an ongoing series entitled Race in America. In addition, Donnell features expert guests who provide information about the school-to-prison pipeline the prison commercial complex, the inequities in public schools, the epidemic of young unarmed black men being killed by police, and much more. Donnell makes it his mission in life to focus attention on the causes and issues that are ignored by the mainstream media. So listen to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoint every Monday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, only on the CWR Talk Network, your causes, issues, and life empowerment network. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car. Which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. 
Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electro-synth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we're... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are a strong advocate for life empowerment, like empowering a generation that has been grossly misunderstood and disparaged to shatter the misconceptions about them. No Sleep was created to give millennials a platform to express themselves and let the world know who they really are and what they believe, their values, interests, fears, and more. This is a diverse group gender-wise and racially that we are very, very proud of. We invite you to tune in, whether you are a millennial or not, and learn from these outstanding young people. Listen every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 7 o'clock p.m. Central for No Sleep, Shattering Millennial Misconceptions. Hey everyone, welcome back. Um, I just want to take this time to remind everyone that we do have our lines open. So if you have any calls, um, any questions or comments that you want to reach out to us at or about, um, you can give us a call at 917-889-8078. And Micah will be, or excuse me, Malcolm would be happy to take your call. He's on engineering tonight and he's doing an awesome job, so thank you. Um, so to get back into what we were talking about, um, do you think, regardless of, I know before the commercial break we were speaking upon the, the actual events or what may or may not have happened, but in the grand scheme of things, would you all say or how would the events of 9-11 really change the way that we were raised? Do you want to go first? Sure. So uh, Clay and I had talked about this a little bit before, but traveling definitely changed. Uh, I definitely don't remember a time before TSA or walking through a metal detector, taking out, needing to take my shoes off, things like that when you fly. So, and limiting the types of liquids or how many ounces you can take on and things like that. That So that uh, definitely affected me as I got older and traveled more, um, even though I see in hindsight how that can be for protection. Uh, I'll admit it's a little inconvenient to remember all the rules and regulations that, of what I can't bring onto a plane. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I definitely, I don't even know how to conceptualize an airport without TSA because I'd never even been on an airplane before 9-11. Um, since then, you know, it's kind of been, it's just like, you know, and, and I was talking to Megan about this earlier, like it doesn't matter how many times I go through TSA, I always forget what I'm allowed and what I'm not allowed. And so I try to just stick as much as I can in my um, my bag, my checked bag. And then put as little as possible in uh, in my carry-on bag, uh, so that I don't have to, you know, take put aside, you know, an, an hour in case I have to go to the back of the line because there's something in my checked bag that wasn't supposed to be there, you know. So um, definitely, definitely with travel, um, with other things like, you know, and Kylie and I had talked about this. We looked at Morning Call's article um, that they released in 2016 about 9-11 and millennials. Um, and, and something that some of the millennials talked about was how they felt a loss of innocence and how they, how they kind of saw the world as serious, more serious than before. And um, I don't know if I really felt that way, that I had lost innocence and that the world was really this big, terrible place. You know, um, and I think that's mainly because of the support network that I had around me, you know, my family and my friends at that time, they were they were around me and they were able to, you know, kind of help me understand it um, from where I was at that point. Is that kind of how it was for you, like with family and everything? Megan? <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to say something in case they wanted to something um yeah I was just thinking about how I didn't think it was a horror have that idea that it was a horrible place and this world we live in is so sad and terrible but that idea kind of grew more as we started having more terrorist attacks and I was just thinking how is it really that we had more terrorist attacks or was the coverage of it just blown out of, not out of proportion, but blown up. So the more that I read in the news and saw, the more that idea kind of crept up on me a little bit um, to where it was like, man, why why do we live in a world where this is happening more consistently than it seemed to have in the past? Yeah, for sure. I think, Megan, you brought up a really, you said something last, or at the before the break and I found it really interesting and and I totally related to it it was when you had said that um, prior to it happening you didn't even know the word terrorism or what that meant or what it was and for me it was kind of the same too so I think you know obviously with the TSA stuff and all that um, and with family support and whatnot you know you understand what's going on um, yeah. But I think in a way it kind of I wouldn't say that I was robbed of my innocence or anything, but it kind of does wake you yeah. up like, oh, you know, there are some people out there that do wish harm on other people when they don't agree on something or to make a point or something like that. So I think that it kind of right. you know, affected me in that way. And I think that the media had a lot to do with it as well. Um because they kind of put this fear into us that you know, we have yeah. to be scared of certain groups of people and be weary about certain groups of people. And, and I guess me being young and impressionable, I kind of fell into that for a little bit. You know, you would kind of look at 
at someone that, you know, had their face covered or whatnot, and you would think, oh, you know, should I be scared of this person or whatnot? And, you know, it's ignorance of being young, and as you get older, you realize that that's just a crazy way of thinking. But it definitely has an effect on you as you're growing up and you're being told these things. What about you, Malcolm? Uh, Well, I don't think uh, the event had changed my life significantly. I think what happened was that my understanding of this world began to uh, open up a bit. Like you said, uh, I think the media had uh, influenced um, uh, a lot of people to have a disdain for anybody who was practicing that Islamic belief and that faith uh, and to look at them as terrorist groups. No uh no matter how kind or or just this person is you know just identify them anytime you see them identify them with terror no different than how that idea has been pushed for people of color you know especially black people you know uh a lot of people yeah. identify and see individuals as black to uh, be in the mold to do some type of, or inflict some type of harm to somebody. And that has just been an idea that has been put through different outlets. I began to also just, after this day, think of just the world. You know, if those individuals that uh, are considered uh, Muslims or come from a certain part of the world are considered terrorists over here, then it made me think, what is America considered, you know, when they go to those parts of the world? Are they also considered terrorists? Is, or is America yeah. just all good and benevolent? And um, I began to just uh, uh, think a little different, you know, from uh, from this event. I agree with you, Malcolm, also because it's easy to target the Muslim population, uh, especially since, I don't know the population numbers, but a large majority right. of Americans probably come from a community that doesn't have uh, people that are practicing, right. that, that are Islamic religion. Yeah, so it's easy to push that agenda because you already see them as different anyways, right. and now there's a reason to see them even as a danger or a threat to your community because there's no one that those white rural communities can relate them to because they've never interacted with that type of population before. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think like I was definitely conditioned from 9-11 to think that people of the Islamic faith or Muslims, you know, they, they were the bad guy. You know, and I that's the only way that I was able to process it. Um, and then I got older and I thought, well, I mean, I don't really think that's how it is. But it's like I, that's how I've been conditioned to think, you know. And then it took, you know, taking taking classes and really studying the Middle East to really get to a point where I was like, you know, I think I think all of this is wrong. But it's like you've been conditioned to think that way um, and you just have to work toward getting over that. Yeah, for sure. I think education too, because, you know, I was the same, you're kind of conditioned to feel a certain way about a group of people without necessarily understanding um, their beliefs and where they come from. And you can't take a religion and 
you know, classify all of these people as, as terrorists yeah. because we know that that is not what the religion is based upon. But for so long, I feel like the media and people just on pure ignorance, um, you know, that we but were what? kind of led to believe that. And so when I got to, I know me, when I got to civics class and I was in like 10th grade, we had studied religion and we had to learn, you know, the five pillars of Islam and, you know, stuff like that. And I kind of remember studying it and I was like, wow, this is kind of interesting. And this is not at all what I thought this really, what this religion was. It's really something, you know, different. And there's not a lot of difference necessarily between their, their Bible and our Bible. And I think, I think what it is, I think it, what it is, is it goes back to uh, this conversation that we've had before. And this topic is, I believe it's going to continue to arise. It's just racism, you know, because if we look at this country, you know, there was a terrorist organization right here in this country, but it's not going to be con- considered or spoke on, on that level as these uh, individuals from Al- uh, uh, this group called Al-Qaeda, uh, but this group here in America was a Christian-based group that was cutting the heads off of uh, uh, African-American individuals or non-white individuals, hanging them from trees, and they called themselves the Ku Klux Klan. But that information, as far as being pushed through the media, being shown uh, uh, daily to condition the people to identify that group as terrorists, you know, um, uh, would it happen because of this devil standard uh, that uh, they want to shine the bad light on the dark, you know, and the good light on the way? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So we, we like... We didn't really come armed with any questions, but yeah, uh, totally agree with that. Did you did you have any other questions for us, Kali? I actually was talking and I didn't realize that my line was muted. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was talking and then I'm like, why is it so quiet? Yeah, we were too. I think. <laughs> think that um you know everybody has really good points and Malcolm you you have some really good points as well and I think it all comes back to that people no matter what group you're from you kind of or what you're classified as or whatever even though I feel like we're all one and we should all be united and we should all try to understand each other and try to educate ourselves sometimes people are just very set in their ways and they're scared of what they don't know and so yeah. I think that's really, it's really interesting. And it also made me think about um, an article that I read um, earlier, and it was regarding post-9-11 and how things had kind of changed. And I believe this might have been the one that you had looked at, Clay, but it had said that there was a 8.8% jump in students that were studying abroad outside of Western Europe. Um, and millennials... Oh have expanded more into the Middle East and North Africa as far as studying abroad, and the numbers have been continually growing, especially with the millennial generation. So we Money. Oh, wow. say, yeah, I thought that was really interesting and really cool at the same time. So would you guys wow. say that our generation is more welcoming and more willing to learn about different people 
and more willing to engage in the world beyond our own borders? And I think if I you do think so, would you say it's regarding 9-11 or is it just the way that we're wired? Now, I think our generation going to follow the money. Wherever the paper truck, wherever the paper is, that's where they're going. And I believe that those countries are offering them, you know, the benefits that, they, that they're looking for in, uh, in an experience, you know. So I, I think it's less thinking about the dangers that may have been uh, spoken to them by different outlets. And they're thinking about how they can survive out here, you know, how they can make, you know, uh, the best career choices. And that's where they, and that's, yeah. I believe that's yeah. what gets them to move out, you know, to these different places. Yeah. I agree with you, Kylie, cause I am an example of that <laughs> because I went and lived in Colombia for a year, even though everyone still thinks that Pablo Escobar is alive and controls that country. So I would say that drive to understand the misunderstood is definitely there in our generation because we shouldn't just accept the fact of what our government tells us or what our community tells us, especially about a community that, you know, our parents have never even been to. That was something that drove me insane was everyone was telling me not to go to Colombia and I always said well have you been there in the last five years yeah you know what it's what's going on no okay then you don't get to say these things that you can't prove or have experienced yet yeah I've yeah and I've studied abroad uh, a couple of times as well and I experienced the same comments because at the very beginning because you know, people ask, like, where are you going? And I'll say, oh, you know, I'm going to Spain or I'm going to the U.K. And they'll say, oh, my goodness, well, you just you better be careful when you're when you're out there. You just need to watch it because I don't really know what's all going on out there, you know. And I get the same comments at the time. And, you know, when you get over there, it's actually not as bad as, you know, what it's, what it's made out to be. And, you know, I get over there and – Pretty well, the inspiration that I got to understand more the Middle East and the people who lived there was from my class that I took in college, which was Middle Eastern politics. And, um, you know, I was, I was for the first time exposed more to the religion um, and more to the different groups that lived there. And, you know, it kind of humanized all of them for me. And I wanted to, I wanted to better understand them um, and the rich history that they have there. And tra- traveling is just a part of that. I agree with you 150,000 <laughs> percent. You know, That's a I lot travel of agreeing. a lot. <laughs> I travel a lot, and I know my family, you know, they mean well and whatnot. When yeah. I started to kind of get this travel bug, they were kind of like, you have to be careful and you have to call in and, you know, don't talk to anybody you don't know. And are you sure you really want to leave the country and all of these things? And I know that it came from a place of love and it wasn't necessarily a place of hate or anything. But I know when in October I had backpacked Europe for, you know, almost three weeks with a friend of mine and we went to five different countries. And I remember that when we were trying to figure out what countries we wanted to go to and we were planning it out, people were saying, 
are you sure you want to go to Paris? Are you sure you want to go to Paris? Because, you know, they're having all these problems and you may not come back and all these things. And it kind of made me scared. But then I thought, you know, why? And you go there and it's just you think you're crazy for ever thinking that. And I think that we need to realize that the world is a beautiful, beautiful place and it's full of culture and full of people of different walks of life and different backgrounds and I know when I travel I feel like you know I'm I'm getting something that my life is lacking and it makes me feel like I'm whole yeah and I've been yeah. encouraged much by travel well and I always told people to to kind of switch the perspective that other countries have put travel warnings on coming to the U.S. And the fact, I think I remember Germany had one at one point that they just advised travelers to stay away from different areas. One being Missouri when um, Ferguson happened and the conflicts that was going on there. So turning that perspective and saying, well, you view the world as dangerous, but it is possible to also view the U.S. as dangerous to people who are coming to visit us. That's true. Because Mm -hmm. they also see these crazy headlines that are coming out of our country and they could also think like, hey, why would I want to go there if there are all these mass shootings going on and whatnot? That always um, helps me to turn that perspective of, well, it's not just you thinking the rest of the world is dangerous because people do view the U.S. as dangerous, too. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, bad press is always the kind of press that people pay attention to. You know, they're not paying attention to all the wonderful things and all the history and culture and everything places have to offer, and they kind of hear of one or two bad things happening, and it kind of sets this framework for what people believe um, to be true of that place. But we have to go ahead and take another commercial break. So at this time, again, I want to encourage people to call in with questions or comments if you have any. Again, the number is 917-889-8078, and we hope to talk to you. listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. online you can be a witness and make a difference by letting the world know it isn't cool and by letting your friend know you care learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org brought to you by the ad council dave what are you doing just sending a gift to dave 2037 who me in the future i save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to dave 2037 so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram doberman something cool like that i think dave 2037 deserves it he worked hard What are you getting Steve 2037? I guess I was thinking Steve 2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right, but don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. 
You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve 2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are a strong advocate for life empowerment, like empowering a generation that has been grossly misunderstood and disparaged to shatter the misconceptions about them. No Sleep was created to give millennials a platform to express themselves and let the world know who they really are and what they believe, their values, interests, fears, and more. This is a diverse group gender-wise and racially that we are very, very proud of. We invite you to tune in, whether you are a millennial or not, and learn from these outstanding young people. Listen every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 7 o'clock p.m. Central for No Sleep, Shattering Millennial Misconceptions. Hey everyone, welcome back. Um, I want to again give the number one more time if we have any callers. It's 917-889-8078. And I want to pick back up on where we left off. Um, We were speaking about traveling and kind of expanding our horizons before we had to take a break. Um, I know that I was kind of sharing a little bit about my trip to Paris and how people were kind of trying to deter me from going. And what I found really interesting when I was there, other than the fact that I absolutely loved it and I'm glad that I didn't skip it, um, I met a friend um, who we're still friends now, and he's actually um, from Senegal, which is a Muslim country. And I think that, you know, we talk daily. But one of the things that I love speaking to him about is he's very honest and he will speak about his culture and his religion and he loves to, you know, kind of tie in the similarities between, um, you know, Islam and Christianity and, you know, there's really not a whole lot of difference when you look at the whole scale of the picture and so I thought that was really interesting and also, um, I know that, Malcolm, we didn't get to get to you on that last question, so I wanted to see if you had anything that you wanted to add. Well, uh, what was the question? <laughs> um, <laughs> I know it's been a minute. Um, I think we were talking about kind of the jump in students that I were studying abroad um, and how we kind of been expanding into the Middle, the Middle East and North Africa, and we were talking about if you know, if our generation 
if we feel that we've been more welcoming or more understanding to different Oh, yeah, I spoke on it first. <laughs> oh, yes, you sure did. <laughs> <laughs> I, as I was saying it, I'm like, oh, wait, he, was, he jumped up that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Definitely. But what I interests me though? Uh, Said again. No. What did you say? You said I tripped you up. I, I said. I said what had interested me. It was early on in our conversation, uh, and it wasn't on uh, the nine eleven event. But you had spoke about um, Nike and this Colin, mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick uh, uh, situation that's going on. Uh, what y'all thought about what's happening with Colin Kaepernick and him, like, uh, not kneeling for the flag or, or not standing How for the we... flag? Yeah. Oh, not standing. Um, I think he, I think he's taking a stand um, and he is um, kneeling for a patriotic cause and he's bringing, he's bringing um, national attention to civil rights, which have been, uh, which aren't, talked about or discussed in the mainstream I don't think as much as they have been so I definitely applied Colin Kaepernick mm. I applaud him too but I definitely think people are way too sensitive about the debacle of kneeling means that you're disrespecting the flag uh, I've never understood that argument really because especially from someone who isn't a veteran um, or maybe has a close personal connection to that, why they feel so entitled to be so offended by something. But, you know, they don't have that connection to. And whether that kind of ties into what you said, Malcolm, that narrative that is being fed to people to control the conversation. And I kind of think that's what happened was, Someone said something along the lines of, oh, this means they're disrespecting our troops, they're disrespecting our country, and that narrative stuff. And now it's caused this division of you either agree or yeah. disagree. Yeah, because I, mm-hmm. I had to really think about it at first, too, because I was like, I don't know. I mean, shouldn't – I thought, I don't know if everyone needs to stand or not mm-hmm. in order to show patriotism for the flag. Yeah. And then I thought, but we, we live in a country where we do have the freedom – to stand if we want to or kneel if we want to during the national anthem. And I think you should be able to do whatever you want. Yeah. Right. I, I think that, yeah, I think uh, that's, that's exactly right. You know, and on the basis of that, this flag represents something to you, but it's something different to the next person, you know, yeah. and because, right. because, each person has experienced this country differently, especially if you yeah. are uh, uh, non-white uh, versus somebody that is white. You, like that flag means something totally different, you know, to you. And my thing is, how can we get those that can't understand that? That is that uh, understanding is hard for them to grasp, you know, to actually understand and you know see it from somebody else's perspective. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, when it first happened, I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't agree with what he was doing. I feel like everything has just been so political lately. And so I'm like, I like football and I want to watch it, but dang it, you got political on me again. Like, why do you have to, like, why can't you just let me enjoy football? 
But really, at the end of the day, he's standing for what he believes in. And I think that we all, like you said, we all have different experiences. And we need to respect each other's, you know, right to to voice what we're feeling and, and how we feel. And if he feels that way, he has every right to to voice those opinions. And people don't have to agree with it. But I, I feel that kind of tying into how we did the 9-11 stuff, um, during that time we supported one another and we felt empathy and we felt sympathy for what others were going through and their experiences. And I feel like in this country right now, we're kind of lacking that today. And it's something that we need to get back to because it kind of goes back to the old Machiavellian principle of divide and conquer. And we really need to unite and stand together or kneel um, in support of one one another. And that's the way that this country is going to get stronger. And, you know, arguing over if you're going to burn your Nikes or not is, is so out there. And it shouldn't even be <laughs> something that we're worried about. I yeah, mean, there's so what? many other things that we need to focus our energy on. Right. So, 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 so a bunch of videos and, uh, uh, throughout different social media outlets show people burning different Nike, uh, products. They not, they boycott Nike. Uh, why, why do you think Nike even took the chance on supporting him or supporting his stand and just continue to endorse him if they, cause I'm pretty sure they knew that they would get this type of backlash. Why do you think they still took the, the chance to uh, support him. The same way, the same reason that Kanye talked crazy. I mean, if you get people talking and you get people in an uproar, they pay attention. And Nike mm. is the number one thing that people are talking about right now. Right. <laughs> they they accomplished what they were doing. Mm. I would like yeah. to think that they did do it for the publicity and marketing in a sense of increasing their brand, but to use their platform in a way to address social issue that needs the attention. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, the brand itself is kind of at this point, it, it's not as popular, you know, for, you know, I kind of went over a, an article before the program and it talked about how Naki's campaign with Colin Kaepernick kind of seeks praise and profit and not necessarily justice. And, you know, it goes through talking about its toxic treatment of women um, and how its co-founder, Phil Knott, has actually donated up to 500000 to GOP entities. And, you know, I, would, I don't really know what their true, their true motive is um, in sponsoring Kaepernick and putting him out into the public, because I think they've been sponsoring Money. him since 2011. Yeah, they've been sponsoring him since 2011, and they're just now uh, letting him kind of be the poster boy of their, their brand. And so I don't know if it's because they want to profit off of his following or if they're truly trying to turn over a leaf um, for their brand as a whole. I also think, too, that this is just a long shot, but since they're the official sponsor of all of the uniforms in the NFL, that there were talks about this, so this wasn't just blunt the NFL wasn't blinded by this ad. So I think that there's something to lead into that, that they, I'm not saying collaborated, but they did it, I think, because they talked with the NFL and that they knew they wouldn't lose that sponsorship because the mm-hmm. NFL could cut ties if they really wanted to. 
um, but they haven't so far. So I think there's something there of what's, you know, the underlying reasoning for this and how they did it and they knew what they were doing. Yeah, we got to keep our eye on Nike. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that, you know, money is the bottom line for a lot of things. And in the past, you know, Nike hasn't had the best, press or publicity. So for them, you know, maybe they are turning a new leaf and they're trying to take on this, you know, social justice stance and bring light to issues that really need the light brought to it. So I think it's really interesting. And unfortunately, we're running out of time. So I right. just want everyone I was looking. to know. <laughs> so, I know I'm great conversation tonight, y'all. <laughs> oh, thank you. Great. I do want to remind everyone that you can catch up on past shows at blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. We're also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And, again, before we sign off, I want to thank our new co-hosts, um, Megan and Clay. It's been awesome having you here. And, as always, Malcolm, I love having conversations with you and talking with you. And thank you for engineering. It's been awesome. And we'll talk next week. Peace. Thank awesome. You. Thank you so much. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.